of young heroes called the Animorphs. <laughs> yeah, today we're doing Megamorphs number one, Elfangor's Gift. Let me double check That's that title. The Andalite's, the Andalites Gift, gift excuse me. I was like, something's wrong here. <laughs> Morgan still remembers that name. <laughs> So here, I don't know if you guys were able to see the cover on the PDF. There's the cover. So you can see it's got Jake, Cassie, Marco, and Rachel. And they're all half, like, it's half of their face is them, human. Half of their face is the morph. And there's, like, a punch out in the middle. And when you open it up, it's the cube. And they're all touching it with, like, half-morphed hands. So I like that one with the half morphed hands. That one's kind of cute. And it's giving me sort of, um, um, why am I blinking on this? I should know this. Marvel, cube, blue. Tesseract. Yes. Mm. It's giving, you know, some somehow very that. I have an Animorph shirt with the, the cube in the middle. And people are like, is that the Tesseract? And I'm like, no, you don't know anything. <laughs> Uncultured swine. <laughs> um, but yeah, the so the morphs is Jake is tiger. Cassie is fly, Marco is wolf, and Rachel is uh, bear, grizzly bear. So since nobody asked, I am going to give my opinion, <laughs> because it's the right opinion, is that <laughs> with this cover, I feel like I would have done it differently. <laughs> I would have I would have totally had like Cassie be made her wolf, and then Marco gorilla, and then Tobias, I think, needs a little bit more instead of just like a photoshopped, like... Huck. He's just off yeah, the like, just on. on there. I I agree with you, Jason, because I was like, okay, if are these just like you know their main morphs and all that, but I think it's because they have her as a five, just because that was like her significant morph contribution in the books. Yeah, I think why. it's trying to be like she did more. She did more, and Marco sometimes will do wolf for battle, like sometimes when that's more convenient. Which is not very often because gorillas have hands and that's important. Yeah, I mean, he was gorilla to be fair in the book. So, I mean, like, his wolf morph was like, oh yeah, he was a wolf with Jake there for a hot minute. But uh, gorilla morph would have made sense for... I mean, these are all great points. Very valid. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm sticking to my <laughs> to my guns on this one. I mean Cassie, You're just Cassie going with battle morphs. should have been humpback whale. <laughs> okay, that I do want to see and <laughs> <Spoiler>. have spoiler. <laughs> well would they say they're doing profile picks? Would it have been like the whale like up, facing forward, barnacle? Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair because it's kind of hard to tell a whale coming head on to you what a whale is because it's more recognizable from its profile. Well, it's not being, I'm not being dissenting either. I would love to see that. I want to see them do that. <laughs> I know. It would be cool. That that would be a cool half morph. That would be a dope maneuver to show in the Animorphs oh. movie. And, okay, we'll get there at the end. I'm not going to check off our prediction until the end. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, can we get first impressions? Yeah. How'd you guys like this one? Uh, so we were talking here right a little bit before the podcast about it, it's structured differently. So mm-hmm. this book is alternating chapters between different points of view. And Jason, I know you had uh, your own first take on, on that. Whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like it, it, it's like something we're used to. Like when you watch like a lot of media, it goes between, you know, you don't see one characters or one like plot line always just from start to finish. You go jump a- 
you know, between some, but usually there's one like plot A and then plot B. And, um, yeah. and this one I was like, I was like, okay. But then it's like every chapter is like, okay. When we do the cast, I'm going to be like, okay, guys, now out of 45 chapters, chapter 18 is a so and so. Now next chapter is this. And, um, yeah, there's never t- the same character narrating the same ch- like two chapters in mm-hmm. a row. It's always just yeah. one. Also, what kind of bullshit is it? Tobias didn't get any chapters. Did no, he no, did. No, he did. He got a couple. Did he? I I just kept saying Jake, Rachel, Marco, Axe. A lot like, of Rachel. No, I think Tobias did because did I he? remember him being like super tired, flying around. Oh my god, he only has three. That's why I I, I control F'd it. Oh yeah, and, chapter yeah, seven. He has, he has chapters 7, 39, and 41, and that's That's it. why I didn't really remember. Because oh, for me, they're also only like two or three pages max each chapter. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. or a page and a half. So I'm just like... Yeah, they're really short. And Axe only gets five. Yeah. Um, also, it is the first time where we have Axe uh, so far that in the order that we are reading. Axe is narrating for the first time for us. So that's cool. Which I was like... I agree. I agree. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so I actually kind of liked the jumping around just for the point that it was fun with the construction of the story and especially with how this big baddie, this new big baddie monster that's introduced in this story operates. It was fun to see how the jumping around narration between each chapter and um, uh, between each point of view kind of contributed to the jumping around on how that monster was pursuing each and every one of them. Yeah, I thought that they clearly were like, well, you could see them reverse engineering, like, okay, well, we want to have it be narrated by all the kids. Well, let's have it be a monster that's attracted to morphing, so that way the monster will jump around and... You know, you'll see in the narration why it's moving from one character to the next, like the narration is. Also, I liked it a lot more with jumping around between the narrations just because I actually enjoyed the whiplash, Jason. I, like, enjoyed the fast-paced cuts between everything because I didn't feel anything was lagging. Uh, It was always just going where the action was, to an extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it just, like, this... To uh, to the point, like, it felt like this story was more fast-paced and, like, the jokes were better for some reason. I, I, like, actually chuckled at um, more of Marco's uh, quips and stuff (laughs) this book than I think I've done, but between the past ones and it made me wonder morgan was this one one of the ones that was ghost written because it feels like different obviously than what we've been reading up to this point and i don't know if it's maybe the author coming into her own uh with um really kind of knowing these characters or maybe if somebody else like contributed uh to help construct this one yeah the first ghost written book is 25 so it's not for a while were the were were the megamorphs books written after the series or they were released alongside so the the first book to be released is book like book one the invasion the last book to be released is book 50 for the beginning so these were slotted in as like a special event so that month two books would be released instead of actually i I looked it up too it was this one book seven that we just uh read was published april 1997 this one uh the megamorphs may 1997 and then book eight was then june 1997 oh okay so yeah they did they did some of them alongside like i know that the horkshire chronicles was alongside the book for that time i just feel like this one was 
I was like, it's it's labeled like seven point five. It's between seven and eight. I'm like, this honestly could be its own. It's, it is its own book, but I'm like, this could yeah. be like its own number. I'm like, this is like a. I liked the I liked the book. I thought it was like okay. This is again like they just seem to be getting better and better. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, this isn't like just a filler episode. Like actually interesting. It's just to me, it's like. Like I get why they're like special episodes, but I'm also like I feel like it should just be number eight. Like I thought I thought there wouldn't be anything super super like significant going on. Yeah, there's definitely like a big bad, and I feel like this the big creature, the Valik, mm-hmm. that we'll meet later. Uh, the Valik has a lot more danger and gravitas than what we've seen before. It's not like the kids execute a plan and then get in trouble and are going to die. It's like, no, this creature's coming after them wherever they are. Yeah, I I enjoyed I enjoyed a big monster being introduced. That made it way more exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so I had another question. Actually, I guess I have several. Is there a reason why there's 54 books? Is that, like, significant at all, or is that just the number that they landed on to end? That's the number they landed on to end. So, um, the reason why the books started being ghostwritten is because they were working on their other series, Everworld, and they basically just started too many series and had to end it, and they figured, well, this is a good time to end. So they kind of started, there's like uh, nine ish books so starting 45 to 54 are basically like the ending arc Mm -hmm. so they do have there's an ending and they didn't just stop it it was planned out they you know they really started it took nine months to end it okay and yeah that just ended up being how many how many okay it wasn't as significant that number um and then when the kids are narrating are they narrating so like you know each and every book uh they introduce themselves and they go through the whole kind of like using it as like a vector to explain the uh, background of why they're animorphs and where they got their powers and what happened and why they're battling the Yerks. And it's, you know, used as a field to set up each and every um, book narration. But are the narrating present tense or is it assumed that they're narrating from some point in the future and reflecting back on each book's events? Yeah, it's kind of, you know... Obviously, that breaks down after a while, but it seems like at the beginning, the first books, it's like it's talking to a reader who might be in danger from the Yerks. And so it seems like it is a like a diary type situation. But obviously, you know, every book has to kind of make that decision. And it if even if it's like this is supposed to be real, it has to either treat it as real or the immersion breaks down at some point. And so it kind of. They kind of dropped that part after a while. Oh, okay, because I kind of was wondering if it was like, you know, a Lord of the Rings, Frodo, Bilbo type situation where, you know, they're actually, it's significant that they're recording all this and that, you know, it's written into the series, like them finishing up writing, you know, their memoirs or their series of adventures or something. Um, but if it that's yeah, kind of dropped, then no worries. <laughs> I'll just roll with it. <laughs> You know what I just was thinking of? Similarly, Game of Thrones is supposed to be all written by Sam, but it's all written from different characters' point of view, so... I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was all supposed to be written by Sam. It is all written by... It's all written with different characters' Wait, points of view, Sam. that's for sure. Game of Thrones, Sam. Uh, he's um, part of the Night's Watch. Uh, oh, with, uh, sorry. John yes, Smith. I was like, I you said Lord of the Rings, and then Sam. I was like, I cannot get Samwise Genji out of my head. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't I remember any Game of Thrones character? Whiplash. 
But yeah, that's another one where you're jumping between. Those chapters are way longer, though, between uh, <laughs> the different narrations. Okay, do we want to get started on um, going over this fun book? Let's do okay. it. So it starts off with Jake, obviously, and he is narrating uh, and doing the usual background info and starting uh, in on that Rachel that weekend was worried about going away. Uh, and so we're starting just on Friday and all these events are going to be happening <laughs> within their weekend. Um, so it's going to be a long weekend, folks. The five kids are in Cassie's barn. Uh, Axe wasn't there because he doesn't like to have to morph human if he doesn't have to. So Rachel was signed up to go to gymnastics camp for that weekend. And she signed up way before they became anamorphs uh, and all this stuff entered their lives. So just different position. Uh, she doesn't really quite feel right about leaving uh, since they should be fighting Yerks. Uh, and, you know, continuing on their crusade. She said she told Melissa Chapman that she wasn't going to go, but Melissa had already gone out to camp uh, earlier that day. So, you know, she could kind of excuse herself from not even having to go. It's just like two days. It's not a big Wait, deal. Wait, they call that <laughs> camp nowadays? Two days? It's, it's, if it's an away camp, but I'm just like, come on. I mean, there's day camps, like... For kids and but stuff like that, totally camp? during but the summer. Really I get it's an advertising tool. <laughs> <laughs> if you're spending the night there, it's camp. Okay, I'll give them. I'll give that. Cassie says she should. Uh, Rachel should have a semi-normal life and convinces her to go. Uh, Cassie's also moving around a bird cage with an injured crow in it, and Tobias is hanging out in the rafters, and he has opinions. <laughs> I kind of want to make a list of birds that are on Tobias's shit list. Uh, he doesn't like crows. <laughs> all I of know. them. It's all of them. I love that he has very strong opinions about it too. <laughs> He's just like this is very you. me when a like when I'm driving. I'm like, of course a BMW cut me off. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> it's always BMW. Oh, okay, just for the uh, I was gonna say viewers, but just for the listeners, um, some references. The sort of Tobias's attitude about birds in general makes me think of is you have Britney Spears, I think, in the the world ends with you music video, and then you have Heidi and Closet in season twelve Untucked <laughs> going fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, crows. Uh, are on that list eagles uh other hawks uh i feel like the list is going to continue to grow <laughs> as we get deeper in the series to be fair crows are smart but apparently they're also like incredibly vengeful yeah so, like, they remember yeah. yeah also the crows in japan are fucking huge <laughs> i just have to say that <laughs> like in america like oh crows no big deal it's like whatever get away in japan i was like i do not want to go near that thing that bird is huge well, crows, oh, why are they so much bigger crows and ravens uh ravens are humongous compared to crows too so uh sometimes when you think you see a really large crow uh, it's a big large black bird it might be a raven also maybe it was ravens yeah yeah but I was just like, I ain't fucking with that. <laughs> no, they're they're smart birds. Marco teases Rachel, uh, like normal. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> Calling her Xena Warrior pr Princess again. Uh, Rachel resorts to going to the camp uh, just to get away from Marco, but uh, looks up at Tobias. <laughs> and she asks uh, him to make sure that they all will be okay and stay out of trouble while she's gone. And Tobias assures her that they will. Cassie clocks the interaction and gives Jake a smile. <laughs> she told Jake uh, that she thinks Tobias and Rachel like each other. I just want to say, Jake and Cassie, where have you been these last seven books? 
<laughs> like, it's been right. obvious since the beginning. It's like, duh. <laughs> but I, I kind of wish like Tobias went with Rachel. It kind of would have been like cute if like he also followed her to oh, camp. Oh, that'd be really cute. He's like, mm. oh yeah, I don't have anything to do. Let's go check out camp. This will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be adorable. Uh, they just fly there together. Jake states that they should have uh, a nice normal weekend, and Marco retaliates and says that uh, some would have a better weekend more than others. Apparently, Jake and Cassie were invited to a pool party with all their classmates, and Marco was not invited, and he is pretty peeved. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I know it's like kind of shitty, but I was just like... This is where I kind of I enjoyed the comedy <laughs> and situational and obviously more of Marco's quips. It, it just felt different. It didn't feel so forced. I don't know. Uh, or it, it felt more coming into its own. And uh, there was some good moments, especially with Marco driving later. <laughs> to avoid the conversation, Cassie asks Jake uh, to help her outside uh, to load the truck, uh, her father's farm truck with some cages. She mentions to him that she's had a bad dream and, well, like a reoccurring bad dream. And she says the dream's like about making a choice on who lives and who dies. She says now that their lives have been turned upside down, she's afraid all the time. So Jake puts his arm around her and tries to console her. And his basic solution is just like, let's not talk about our newfound fears and then they might go away. Because, um, yeah, <laughs> that that helps. Rachel uh, then, oh, sorry, we're switching to Rachel's point of view. Rachel was walking to school uh, to take the bus to camp. And then she actually got there an hour early. So with an hour to kill, she thought morphing and to fly around sounded like a good time so she was going to check with Tobias before she left uh, was her original thought and she knew he was probably out hunting breakfast in the woods at that point she went behind the school to morph uh, in the woods and reflects in hindsight that she didn't realize she was in a dangerous position her family and friends thought she was headed to camp and wouldn't see her for a couple of days but the camp staff actually didn't expect to see her either because they didn't think she was coming she told Melissa Chapman that she probably wasn't going to come dun 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 so she goes into yeah. the woods behind the school and she morphs into a bald eagle and is flying around and having a good time. She actually spots Axe running through the woods below her, so she swoops down to say hi. And just as she gets close to the tree line, she notices a bird's nest with baby birds in it and thought, oh, that's cute. And then suddenly she gets hit by small dark birds airily attacking her, defending their nests. Later we find out these are jays. I thought that they were crows because I made total sense why Tobias was alluding to crows or assholes. But apparently these ones are jays. <laughs> Yeah, we already set that up yeah. earlier. Um, she banked too fast as they mobbed her, and Rachel lost control and hit a tree headfirst. As she Ooh. fell and hit the ground, she was fading out, blacking out, and trying to tell herself to morph out before she lost consciousness. And we switched so, to Marco. <laughs> for, for me, it's like 10 chapters in, and it's already like, dun-dun-dun, <laughs> cliffhanger. Dun. Yeah, they really got into it because they're like, well, this is, th we're not going to have shenanigans at the beginning of this one. It's just going to be like, let's dive in. Just, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, this is not, although, and then we do get into some shenanigans, actually. <laughs> this is not like book two. So, chapter three, this is Marco's point of view. Marco's explaining to Axe that there is this girl, Darlene, who did not invite him to her pool party. 
but she invited everybody else. Axe is trying to figure out this conundrum. Marco wasn't invited, but he wants to go anyway, and it's pretty cute how Axe is trying to puzzle this out. Marco <laughs> thinks it's because Darlene likes him, and that's probably why she didn't invite him, so it's solid logic. And Axe mm-hmm. just uh-huh. looks befuddled. He's like, is that He's like, I am confused. (laughs) He's like, is that common amongst humans? Do you avoid the ones you like? And then Marco's like, not like, like. I like you, Axe, but I don't like you. There's like, and then there's like, like. Put that in the pile of shipping, the shipping pile. (laughs) Morgan, they're coming for your ship. (laughs) I was just going to say, I really like how he's like, well, they have to be talking about me. Like, I want to hear what they're going to say. And it's like, all Mm -hmm. right. It's just just very (laughs) like, Marco, it's just, how do I say this? It's very. Preteen boy. Self-absorbed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like of course they gotta be talking to me why don't they oh they're not inviting me because they like me as like the mental gymnastics of <laughs> this <Yeah>. of this <laughs> person i'll just i'll just leave it at that <laughs> besides well, the other groups is just like <laughs> too much i don't miss middle school is the summary of this <laughs> yeah not at all yeah Oh my god. So one of my classes there's a, and it's a co-teach class so there's two teachers and me and the other teacher are just staring at this couple that are just like intertwined with each other and they're just like like cuddling in class and I'm like I'm so moving you apart when I'm allowed to move the seating chart. <laughs> so just for fun, just for fun just to shake them. Just so I don't have to watch them like literally like up each other's assholes all the so time. So wait, a minute, are they Ooh. are these kids like sitting on each other's laps during class? Practically, Ooh. they're in their own desk, but like their legs are facing each other, and they're doing that thing where they're like interlocked, and like both of their hands are holding each other, and it's just like okay, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> <laughs> okay part of me is like oh sweet but part of me i'm not a teacher but if i was i'd be like okay <laughs> like break it up focus I'm like yeah i'm like i'm gonna sit you next to someone who's better than you, <laughs> which is anybody in that class so morgan's being matchmaker oh my gosh <laughs> match <Here> we go. <laughs> there's, that, there's a comic book your yes career yeah, that, yeah, yeah. we can make a, a good superhero out of this or a super villain <laughs> The matchbreaker. <laughs> anyway, these are ninth graders, so just out of middle school. Yeah. Might as well still be in middle school because they didn't get to go to middle school. Prime mm-hmm. hormone time. Uh, I remember when it was uh, that point when in middle school they all started like dating, dating, and it wasn't just like holding hands was like the big like, oh, kind of thing. It was you got people just like hanging on each other during um you know breaks and stuff like that and they just have their pockets like in each other like their hands in each other's pockets you know like yeah yeah that whole thing and it's just like how do you guys walk you're just like walking like shuffling two by two (laughs) (laughs) his hand in your back pocket so his hands are on your ass or you know in your front pockets and god knows what and it's just like really (laughs) yep Yeah, and my classroom is like, it's like my classroom, that hallway is, goes up to the parking lot. So it's like, uh, there's nobody that back there except for just couples. Every like, every 12 feet, there's another couple just making out there. Oh my god, it's like, it's like that cliff place and Buffy, like with the moon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In the cars. 
gosh. Okay. Back to Marco. Um, Marco <laughs> asks Axe, that is hard to say, to help him sneak into the party so they can spy on Darlene and to see if she's talking about uh, him to her friends. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. He's just like, girl, let it go. Oh, uh, Axe says, pardon me if I sound skeptical and please don't be offended, but I sense that, that <laughs> maybe this is a dishonorable idea. And then Tobias says, You're, you sense right, Axe. And he, Tobias shows up with a live mouse in his grasp, uh, uh, per Marco's request. Tobias uh, addresses Marco, you're a twisted, devious human being, Marco. Axe, if you have any sense, you won't get involved with this. <laughs> so Axe uh, then cries out, well, you know, exclaims to Tobias. He's like, Tobias, I'm suffering. I have small itchy bumps on parts of my body. Marco has agreed to help me. If I will help him, he has a rare medicine that will help. And uh, Tobias is like, Marco, you're blackmailing Axe with flea powder? Axe, my friend, you just picked up a couple of fleas. It's normal in the woods. Don't let Marco jerk you. Just give me... I think he was going to say jerk you yeah. around. <laughs> but he gets interrupted. He gets interrupted. And uh, Marco's like, just give me the mouse and stop acting like a parent. I'm not blackmailing anyone. <laughs> I'll bring Axe the flea powder. Jeez, the suspicion around here. <laughs> Tobias. Yeah, love yeah. that. I bet you Cassie could get him flea powder. She probably has hella flea I powder. I know. Marco's just taking advantage of this poor Oh, good, <laughs> good, good extortionist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be a politician when he grows up. Yeah, he's not, it's, it's not blackmail, it's extortion, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Tobias drops the mouse to Marco, and Marco acquired the morph and handed the mouse over to Axe to do the same. Tobias says the reason Marco probably was not invited to Darlene's party was because at the last party at her house, uh, Marco had floated a baby Ruth bar in the pool and told everyone it was poo. And that is a really good Caddyshack reference right here. Yeah. And I, I like how he's like, I was like six. And then Tobias is like, Marco, you were 10. <laughs> yeah. I, that's such a Marco thing to do, but I'm now on Darlene's side. I'm just like, fuck this kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so annoying. He probably had to have them, you know, empty and clean their pool. <laughs> Tobias warms. Uh, warns them that it's dangerous to morph into a mouse. There are a lot of predators ready to eat mice. And he mentions that he saw an eagle earlier, for example, that got mobbed by jays just because it got close to their nests. And uh, it got me thinking about, okay, well, Tobias didn't put two to it together because like he knows Rachel has an eagle morph, right? And so I don't understand why I didn't immediately thought think it might be Rachel. So I'm like wondering, are eagles that common in their potential area? Oh, yeah. And so mm -hmm. because uh, so it went me I did a deep dive, like a like a tangent deep dive on like how <laughs> common are bald eagles in the mid nineties because like they they were on the endangered species list there for a really long time. Uh, so uh, Tobias, I think, should uh, ultimately uh, actually be uh, putting two and together, two and two together uh, to think that that might have been Rachel because I don't think bald eagles might have been uh, that common in their area during this time because during 1995, 1995 to 2007, when these books were being published, the bald eagle was still under the threatened species list. So it's still not certain um, if this is 
where this is in the U.S., but um, it's definitely in the lower 48 states, and there was far less bald eagles down there than the uh, majority of the population of bald eagles at the time were in Alaska and Canada. I just feel like it wasn't also in like a super like out of the way area. I think for for them, I feel like Tobias would like know like the birds in his that in are his like, territory. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, true. But uh, I did I did find a few facts about about bald eagles that um, I'm gonna force you guys to listen to. Uh- <laughs> okay, side note: before you start that, I am. Oh, okay. Never mind. I was gonna say it looks like they just don't like. Uh, Nebraska, because I'm looking at several maps of their territory, and it's like, not Nebraska, fuck that place. <laughs> and I'm like, what is like hunting bald eagles legal in Nebraska or something? But it's just that they migrate through Nebraska. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're smart. It's a flyover state for everybody. <laughs> Except for the one um, city. <laughs> but can you name that city? Las Vegas? Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Reno. Carson no. is the capital oh of Nebraska. Oh my god. <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> That's Nevada. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but actually, yeah, so uh, they are off the endangered uh, and threatened species list now, which is awesome because thanks to conservation efforts for um, bald eagles and, and other birds and the banning of DDT uh, that was used in agriculture in the U.S. and Canada in the 19... Uh, they banned it in the 1970s. Uh, that helped really recover populations for bald eagle and many other bird species because uh, they were by the middle of the 20th century century uh, endangered with being extinct. And uh, this was due to being a severely overhunted, the bald eagle, and uh, B, habitat loss, and then C, the DDT actually affects uh, birds' eggs, and it thins the egg shells so much that they were thin and brittle and would break if an adult brooded uh, over to hatch them. It couldn't support the adult's body weight to keep them warm. So um, DDT was found to affect so many bird species' eggs uh, like this, and it drastically reduced um, many populations uh, some to extinction and then some were able to recover Uh, but yeah I think that uh, even at that time bald eagles were still coming back in the lower 48 states and uh, they weren't that populated and I think Tobias should have put two and two together but like who the fuck is hunting a bald eagle in America the guys from book two yeah there's (laughs) I was reading whatever I was reading up that there's like a especially in Alaska like very prolific um uh like hearsay like uh bald eagles uh affect agriculture and um there is a lot of Perpetual myth is what I want to say uh, for bald eagles carrying off uh, like young lambs during lambing season or, you know, even children. And so people would just have at it and hunt and shoot down bald eagles right and left um, until they. I'm just like surprised. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm just surprised that like nobody was getting. I feel like that's like an illegal thing to do even uh, before they were like. Well, yeah, but yeah, danger. it was it it became illegal, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't illegal there for a while. <laughs> and so, yeah, oh by like God. the the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, 
there's like only I think several hundred mating pairs left in the uh, Americas of bald eagles before they are I mean, able it's to very, bring them back. It's very American. It happened with the grizzly bears in California. Let's just like hunt and shoot our our state or our country like animal symbol until it's gone. Yeah. And then it's just ironic. <laughs> if I can't have you, nobody can. <laughs> Wolves, bison. Uh, yeah. Although I will say this though, the turkeys are doing fine because I mean, I, I say this because Ben Franklin wanted the turkey to be uh, the national bird. Right. And so they're still doing okay because I think we want to keep breeding turkeys from kingdom come because of Thanksgiving. So maybe we just need to have a holiday around cooking bald eagle and then they're all really soar into population and have a lot of bald eagle farms. Anyway. We're go. Uh, we're switching back to Jake's perspective. Uh, Jake and Cassie are sitting poolside at Darlene's party. Jake is feeling bad that Marco was not invited, but Cassie says ultimately they should take the weekend off from worrying. She does say this by actually whispering to Jake, like all super close, like, and they're like uh, noted, like they're in their swimsuits, and it's just like ooh, sitting together, being all <laughs> you know all close it seems like it's a big party so 40 to 50 kids and jake notes that darlene's family has money because it's a nice pool and a very nice backyard (laughs) there was music a big old snack table like ice drinks they were having a good time so suddenly there's a scream some people were scattering around and a few girls including darlene ran towards jake and cassie shouting that mice were after them jake and cassie spotted two mice chasing the girls the mice were dead set on charging at them. Darlene ran to a guy named Hans who said he would stomp them for her. The mice easily swerved around Hans's foot as he slammed down and Jake and Cassie easily deduced <laughs> that these mice were Marco and Axe. <laughs> um, so Darlene's screaming, help me, help me, running towards the patio door and Cassie yells as loudly as she could, hey, it's just a couple of mice. It's nothing to be afraid of. One of the mice hesitated and Marco uh, had recognized Cassie's voice. You know, Jake said, if these mice want to live, they should go to Cassie. (laughs) Trying to sound like he was making a joke. Otherwise, someone might kill them. Then under uh, his breath, Jake adds, someone like me. And Marco said, I heard that (laughs) through thought speak. Jake and Cassie try to get the mice morphs over to her. But Marco uh, kept charging Darlene and followed her inside. All the other kids were running around like in a pandemonium like fashion. Marco told them through thought speak that he and Axe uh, were going down to the basement and to demorph safely down there. And another suddenly, the sky grew dark and a swirling cloud of dust tornadoed into existence above them. Uh, above them all around the pool. The dust storm grew into a solid mass and a shape not known to Earth uh, formed uh, above them and it struck. And the switches to Marco's point of view. Marco and Axe had morphed into mice a block away from the party and uh, they took a minute to adapt to the small animal's instincts and then once they finally got that under control, they waddled off to the party together. Waddled. <laughs> yeah, they located 
Darlene talking to her friends uh, outside at the party, and they weren't talking about Marco. So since they obviously... Because <laughs> why would they yes. be? <laughs> <laughs> so since they weren't talking about him, he projected thoughts speak into her head, saying, Marco. And Darlene said, what? What about Marco? And uh, a girl named Kara said nothing about Marco. And Darlene said, good, because I don't even want his name mentioned at my party. He's such a jerk. I mean, after what he did, throwing a baby Ruth bars in my pool and panicking everybody. Uh, Another girl said, he's so immature. No, duh, Darlene said. He thinks he's so cool and so cute, but he's totally not. He always makes jokes about stuff that aren't even funny. And Marco said, well, I could stand them saying I was immature. That's what girls always say, but saying I wasn't funny, I would show them funny. Oh, yes. Marco runs onto Darlene's barefoot and axe running after him, shouting, what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we doing yeah, what this? Are we, what, what are we, are we doing, doing now? <laughs> um, that sufficiently freaked uh, Darlene out, and she runs away, and natural, naturally, Marco chases after her and axe follows (laughs) they race around chasing the girls avoiding hans trying to stomp them and then they hear jake and cassie's voices and they're busted marco figured they could race back into the house and demorph in the basement and then what axe can do is quickly morph back into his human morph they got back into the house all the while uh, everybody's still running around in the chaos and they safely get down to the basement kind of falling down the stairs on their little mouse butts um, and they start demorphing. Then suddenly, another suddenly, the entire roof was ripped off overhead and chunks of the house was just shredded away. An enormous creature made of teeth and blades and with wings flying it above them like ripped through the house. The beast has dozens of eyes and it looks down at them. Marco had finished demorphing and Axe was in his human morph looking up to fence Leslie. Then the beast's attention flickered after they finished morphing. It seemed uncertain and it became dust again and then just disappeared as quickly as it came. We're switching back to Rachel now. I, I just, I like the concept of it is dust monster. We later find out that this creature is called the Valique. So I have a... Uh... I have the fan art for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to like I had to look up the fan this in my head. I, I had to look up the fan art when I was reading this because I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? It's has wings, it's made of dust, but it forms a mass and it has just ginormous big whirling blades and a humongous, you know, many, many rows of teeth and dozens of eyes. Dragon wings, like Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. I like yeah. this version. I feel like it's it's like um it's clearly a dust monster. It's got a a wing set of wings. The mouth is like a big round circle with eyes around the rim and then teeth on the inside of the mouth. And then it's got like tentacles kind of that come down from it. But again, it's like a dust monster, so it can look however it likes. There's not a lot of fan art of the Valique. <laughs> Pretty cool. It, it's a it's a cool that. monster. Yeah. I don't know if it comes back ever again, but yeah, it's a cool concept that I think should re- reoccur if it doesn't. <laughs> oh, here's a cool one that I like that's a little bit more um, abstract. It seems to have been photoshopped from like the wall of dust from Mad Max, but it's basically just like a big circle of teeth, oh, yeah. like reaching out of the dust wall of dust. Oh, it's like one of those giant worms from like. One of those, like, 
C plus, not not C plus, C rated Hollywood movies like Tremors. Yeah. What are you saying about Tremors? Tremors Is is at least a B plus. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Excuse me. Don't talk that way about my movies. (laughs) Don't judge us. Yeah. So yeah, the Balik has emerged and made its first appearance. Does it actually come back, Morgan, uh, in any of the other books? We'll find out. Okay, fine. Uh, Oh, I do have a question, though. In the other... Oh, it doesn't? Uh, (laughs) No, it doesn't. I like big monsters. And I cannot lie. I cannot lie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we get... I mean, every book, Visitor 3, like... I, I definitely feel like, okay, every book Visitor 3 turns into something horrifying. I feel like this is interesting because they're like, what's a morph that Visitor 3 couldn't, he can't acquire it because it's made out of tiny particles. So like, if you acquired it, you would just morph one of the tiny particles, but you wouldn't morph the whole thing, like the whole thing, right? Yeah, so I had a question. We're going to use okay. this as an opportunity to like, make this interesting, like creature that you can't acquire it. You can't shoot it because it's just multiple pieces. So anyway, I like that. I have a question. Yes. Can I ask you a question? So um, we're a yes on Tremors. Where do we (laughs) where do we stand on Leprechauns? Like the movie. I've never seen a single movie. Are you talking about like the creepy movies? The one with um, Warwick Davis. There's, yeah, it's like that small, again, one where they have so many movies for some reason. It, there, there's like a horror <laughs> series on that, right? I can't yeah. do horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just know it exists. <laughs> okay, then, then never mind. <laughs> I guess we're, we're a TBD on that one. <laughs> I can do big monsters, Jason. I can't do horror movies. <laughs> Morgan, uh... You know how this one, obviously, we went into how uh, it's structured and every, it's switching on points of view with the kids throughout this whole first Megamorphs book. Do all the Megamorphs books, the four, three or four of them that we're going to be reading, uh, switch on points of view like this? Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. At least there's consistency. And some, I mean, and they and after this, they, they do kind of play a little fast and loose. Like, there's a couple of books that are just within the narration where it's like, well... This is mostly from Rachel's point of view, but we're going to have two chapters from Marco's point of view or whatever. So they do kind of do that occasionally. Like book 19 has one book from Jake's point of view, I think. And it's Cassie book. Huh. Okay. Huh. All right. They, 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 they intertwine more and more. All right. We're yeah. on Rachel's point of view. Rachel wakes up on the forest floor. She can't remember who she is. She couldn't even remember her own name. And she was in mid-morph, so she's eagle human at the moment. She knows that's not right, so she starts morphing back into full human. And then the sun was blocked out. A dust cloud was forming above her. She could sense it looking at her, but she, at that point, was just hazily concentrating on morphing. And we're switching to to Tobias's point of view. And Tobias is writing thermals <laughs> as normal. <laughs> Uh, he's <laughs> as he does. Thermals always has to uh, uh, make a make a make a note, make an appearance. Make an appearance yeah. Thank you. Uh, he was flying above Darlene's house on the lookout for Marco and Axe uh, as they changed into mice and started going towards the party. Uh, so he had spotted a fat cat 
watching Marco and Axe's mice, but uh, it chose to ignore them in their morphs. And then he saw Cooper's hawk, uh, but uh, he warded it off, showing that the mice were his prey so he could, you know, keep them safe. I like how he's just like, he's just like the silent hero of this book. Yeah. He's just like, and I saved their lives. And they'll never know. And I never mentioned it to them. Yeah. <laughs> Tobias saw Marco and Axe as mice chased the girls around the pool and then go into the house. And then he saw something strange, a dust cloud tornadoing above the house. And then it formulated into a mass, a mass that it's like this ginormous beast. And it started destroying the house below. Tobias dove, not sure what the creature is, but maybe he could distract it. But then as he started to dive, the beast started to dissolve and Tobias saw that Axe, Marco, Jake, and Cassie were all okay. And with his hawk vision, I, I just want to say, like, Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? He saw... Tobias, <laughs> what do your hawk eyes yes. see? <laughs> uh, he saw that the cloud of dust uh, was composed of small particles that were not floating with the wind. They were flying of their own accord, and they were moving swiftly towards the woods. Back to Rachel. Rachel was focusing on fully morphing back to human, and right above her, the dust cloud monster um, was forming uh, with mouths of needle-sharp teeth and whirling blades. She jumped up, her feet had formed, and she could run, even though she was still demorphing. She took off on the forest floor, and the monster pursued, uh, blading through the trees behind her. She raced through the woods with the beast in pursuit to suddenly come on a road, uh, a freeway, with a bunch of cars driving by. She ran straight into the road, barely being missed by the cars. The monster followed and actually just went head colliding into a truck. It was a Ben and Jerry's truck, in case you were interested. (laughs) Oh, no, I want ice cream. Do you have individual Ben and Jerry's (laughs) trucks? Ben and Jerry's gets a lot of mentions in this series. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm That's all great. for that. They seem to be a great company and I their ice cream's decent. Like I I'm I want some right now. That doesn't actually. sound bad actually. Uh ooh, yeah. Oh. Ice cream later. delivered to Yell's house. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll take anything with chocolate. <laughs> Dude, it's all no, about that brownie batter core. Oh. <laughs> it's one of those things I don't think about too much because like whenever there's too many things on a menu that I like, I get such anxiety because I'm like, well, now I have to try all of them. So <laughs> let me come back here 20 more times until I've tried all of them. <laughs> I got to say, though, I get teased all the time because my go-to I don't have that anxiety going into uh, a new ice cream place because all I ever want whenever I go get ice cream is vanilla and everybody teases me for being so basic but I just I know what I like I like vanilla just give me vanilla you are extremely lucky is what you are you are lucky to have such simple taste that you know that you can rely on it no all matter what. the time it's always gonna be there for always you. Yeah. well vanilla's a good Vanilla's a good flavor, too. Like, people shit on it, but, like, vanilla oh, yeah. tastes good. Yeah. Like, you put it in cookies, you put it in cakes, you put it in waffles, you put it in pancakes. It's a good you ice cream flavor. You put it in flavor. everything, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. We've been baking a lot during the pandemic, especially because, you know, and getting inspired by watching um, Great British Baking so- um, baking Show. So, uh, vanilla macarons, uh, homemade, also very, very <laughs> good. <laughs> Mm, that does sound tasty. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on before we all die. Anyway, so they, they destroyed <laughs> the Ben and Jerry's truck is where we're at. <laughs> uh, the monster shredded the semi-truck with its blades uh, as Rachel fell into the ditch in the median of the freeway. Which makes me feel like this is another, it's it's the central coast 
<laughs> the median in the middle of the freeway is a central coast of California thing. Uh, anyway. Okay. I, mm. <laughs> I mean, there is there are a lot elsewhere. There's a lot of places with medians on the center, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> okay. Rachel had finished morphing by that point, and ice cream was sprayed everywhere. The beast rose from the truck and locked eyes with Rachel, uh, but it seemed confused. And then it dissolved into dust and blew away. All the traffic had stopped. Rachel staggered back into the woods, still barefoot in her leotard. And she didn't know who she was or what that monster could have been. But she knew she just had to get away. And we're switching to Cassie. Cassie, Jake, and Marco with Axe in his human morph were in Cassie's living room. And they're watching TV. Her parents weren't home, so they were able to talk uh, freely. There was a special report on the news about a freak tornado that took out Darlene's house. And then uh, they um, panned to how it hit a truck on a freeway. Cassie spotted something on the news report. Thankfully, they were taping it. All right, old tech alert. They were taping it. So (laughs) Uh, they could rewind the VCR. And then they paused the tape and saw Rachel staggering away from the torn up semi. They concluded that the dust cloud monster uh, first went after Axe and Marco, and then it must have gone straight after uh, Rachel. Cassie called Rachel's home number, um, and her sister Jordan answered. And Jordan said they all, you know, Cassie's like, okay, so is uh, Rachel there? And Jordan's like, she's at camp. So Cassie concludes that she, Rachel isn't at home. Her family, you know, still assumes that she's gone, and uh, she didn't come home early. So obviously... Rachel's missing. We're going to switch back to Rachel's point of view. Rachel can't remember who she was. She obviously has an enemy and with that monster coming after her, but she wandered through the woods barefoot, dazed and confused. She knew she had amnesia and she knew she was in danger and she couldn't be seen. So she wandered until she came across a yellow shack uh, in the woods and she remembered um, like in a, a snippet type memory that it was like the shack was called The Limited, which is a clothing store, and I looked it up, and all retail locations look like they're shut down by um, now here in 2021. Oh, really? Um, to clarify, it's a shack, and then, like, on the outside of the shack, there's a bunch of clothing hung up, and one of the things she sees is a bright yellow top from The Limited that's just on the outside of the shack. Oh, okay. I thought the shack itself was called, was, like, a, a limited store. Oh, an old, okay, like an abandoned li- yeah. The Limited. <laughs> no, no. Ca- I mean, Rachel forgot her memory, but she still knows the mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, her memory is still incomplete. Okay, because this part, Morgan, I will say, was a bit confusing. Um, the place looked like had it, it had been abandoned for a long time. Uh, she was eyeing that yellow top that you mentioned uh, out front. And then a voice said behind her, if you want to return the item, you'll need a receipt. And she, you know, shouted and spun around. It was an, a woman, uh, old, not so old, just shabby, wearing so many layers of clothing that she looked fat, but she wasn't. She was thin, dragging a bulging canvas bag. Not a threat. I don't have a receipt, Rachel said. She headed then for the shack, and Rachel didn't know why, but she followed her. Is this the woman they saved? Oh, oh yeah, so... Morgan, is this the woman that they saved uh, from the York pool in book one? I'm glad you brought that up because that's a common fan theory that this is the woman. Yeah. But. That's what I thought. Yeah, right? So later, the woman starts to say, let me see if I can find it. Oh, I pulled a lot of quotes from her because she's talking about how she 
obviously it seems like she has been able to get a yerk out of her head somehow, but that her family all were possessed by yerks and that she, you know, she's not going to go back again. Yeah. It says, uh, you, she's, she's, she says at some point when she's talking, she thinks she's talking to the yerk. She says, but you died, didn't you? And so in the last book, they destroyed the Condrona Ray. So the theory as well, and we'll see this happen in, in Axe's book next, is that she was one of the people whose yurks starved to death, um, died of Condrona mm-hmm. starvation, because they destroyed the Condrona. Oh. That's my thought, but it's it's an unsettled unsettled speculation. Yeah, because we haven't run we haven't run into anybody yet that has been able to escape uh, Yerk uh, being controlled by them, other than obviously Jake being able to get a Yerk out of his head. So that's yeah. why it it, it 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 seems like the woman that they rescued out of the Yerk pool she could very well have gone batshit crazy and lost her mind and lived in the woods. Because it seems like this yeah. this person's been doing this for a while, and obviously since book one, it's been a couple yeah, months. Or that's true. Or, uh, and uh, and she doesn't she doesn't seem like she's uh, fresh out of anything. Like uh, she's been living in this state for a bit. Yeah, excellent counterpoint. I yeah, I think that's because it seems like she has a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This this place, yeah, seems like she's collected a lot of things there, the clothing piles and stuff around in this old shack in the woods. And Tobias says that he's later on. He says like, oh yeah, there's just like this old weird, crazy woman that lives in the woods. But look, it seems like she's been there yeah. for a period of time. Okay, so to Rachel, the woman seemed mentally ill but not dangerous. She followed her inside the old store, having piles of filthy clothing strewn around the floor. Excuse me, Rachel said, ma'am. Uh, if you want to return the item, you need a receipt, uh, said the woman. Can you tell me your name, Rachel asks. The woman stops sorting the clothing. She turned a sly grin towards Rachel. My name or its name? We are two, not one. Yes, yes. If you want to return the item, your name, please, Rachel said. It's gone now, she said craftily, but it will be back. Oh, yes, they'll be back. They never go away forever. I really like this next line, too, that she says, I guess normally I might have been frustrated. I might have even gotten annoyed. But I now knew what it was like to have your brain betray you. So it's interesting that she's gaining some empathy for this mentally ill woman because she's having her own issues at the moment. Mm -hmm. Rachel doesn't have a clue what the woman's referring to, but she asks her if she has a pair of shoes. The strange woman acts like a store attendant in her dilapidated store, asking if she can help Rachel to find anything as Rachel digs through the piles of clothing to find the shoes, uh, any pair of shoes that would fit her. One of what, ma'am? Rachel uh, asked. The others, the ones who live in your head. I don't think so, Rachel said. I was... She was focused on searching for um, shoes. There's only one way to know for sure, said the woman in a soft, silky voice. And Rachel found a pair of shoes just as the woman opened a trap door uh, in the floor of the shack. And then something hit Rachel uh, on the back of her head. And the woman actually started forcing her down to the trap door, screaming, Yerk! 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 at her. And Rachel fell down the hole. And the hatch was then slammed and locked shut while the woman kept shouting, Yerk! And a memory flashed back. Uh, back to Rachel of a yerk pool and she slammed against the trap door shouting to be let out but there was no answer lady let me out of here I'm not going to hurt you and then the woman spoke in a much quieter voice no no you don't want to hurt me you just want to crawl inside my head like you did before crawl inside my head make me make me give you my husband make me give him to you my children all of you all for you controlling me in my head but you died didn't you yerk Rachel 
couldn't make heads or tails of it. The woman was insane, but the word yerk was oddly familiar to her. Dangerously familiar. Dun dun. Yeah, so like, I mean, I feel bad for the lady. She obviously went through something traumatic and then like went insane. But also, why is there a yerk pool down there? Oh, oh, oh. There's there's not. not. Uh, It was like a, um, uh, that's why this chapter is a little hard to follow. I kind of like reread it. Uh, Rachel um, memory flashed uh, a yerk pool. Oh, yeah, the flash of gray. Okay, sorry. No, 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 I I read it that way too, I think initially. And I'm just like, there's a yerk pool down in this trap door. And it's like, oh no, uh, that was like a memory flash of Rachel's. Um, It's just, I think with dealing with an narration of rachel like not being able to see things clearly and then obviously this woman being very cryptic uh it was it it made it a little harder to follow yeah okay great because that was (laughs) going to be one of my questions (laughs) yeah and uh, and there's a part two where rachel is like uh asking for shoes and the woman says will that be cash check or credit card and rachel's narration says i had an idea maybe it was stupid maybe it was even a little cruel i bent down and picked up a chunk of pine bark from the floor and held it out to the woman credit card i said she took it she looked at it in confusion then she looked up at me there was something lost and desperate in her eyes is this the store she asked it's your store i said let me know if i can help you find anything and it's just like very that that I don't know that struck me that exchange yeah. where she's just kind of like playing along with this woman's delusions like maybe she used to be a store clerk and then the yerk starving to death drove her mad because we saw kind of how that affected Jake before and he only got through it because he had support and understood what was happening to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And and he didn't have the yerk in his head that long, as opposed to however long this woman might have. Yeah, true. Uh, we're switching to Jake's point of view. Marco and Jake took the bus uh, near to where the truck was demolished on the freeway. And we need a shout out uh, to Denny's and Dairy Queen uh, references, because apparently those are nearby when they uh, stop uh, off uh, and get off the bus. So they get off uh, in at a gas station and saw that the truck had been towed there and it was shredded to pieces. They headed into the woods where Tobias was preening himself in a tree. Axe was on his way running on foot through the woods. Tobias said he hasn't seen any side of Rachel, just a crazy woman who lives in a shack out in the woods. Tobias really needs to get better with his hawk eyes on connecting two and two (laughs) together, in my opinion. (laughs) Jake and Marco have their morphing clothes on in a bag with them uh, with a shirt of Rachel's. So uh, they plan to morph into wolves to better sniff out Rachel in the woods. And as they start morphing, Tobias yells, it's coming. And the dust monster starts to reappear. We switch back to Rachel. Rachel still doesn't know who she is, but she can at least deduce whoever she was. She had a temper. She's pissed and trying to get out of the locked basement of the shack where the old uh, odd woman had trapped her. The woman was above in the shack, rooting around, ignoring her cries. Rachel has more flashbacks of taxons and andalites not understanding what they are. Then she smells smoke. The shack was on fire. The fire and the smoke was choking her. She was locked uh, in, nowhere to escape. She needed power to break out, so instinctually, Rachel begins to morph. On the verge of getting suffocated by the smoke, she starts turning grisly. And we switch to Marco. The dust monster formed above them as they were completing their wolf morphs, a mouth full of teeth and blades. 
They ran as wolves through the forest, the monster flying after them, demolishing the forest as it went, shredding trees into splinters. The trees slowed down the monster somewhat, so Jake and Marco run for more tree cover. Tobias is above them, and he shouts that they will run into an open meadow ahead, and there'll be obviously no more tree cover. They'll be exposed. Marco and Jake also smell smoke and fire coming from somewhere in the woods, and faintly they hear a human voice screaming. The dust monster wavers behind them and then turns away. It starts going towards the smell of the fire and the smoke. Back to Rachel. Rachel's body surges with power and the brute force of a grizzly uh, emerges within her. She was able to break out of the basement shack as it burned down around her. And she emerged from the building as it burned. Uh, The crazy woman at that point was gone. Then the dust monster was upon her. It formed straight above her and her grizzly instincts took over. Rachel uh, knew nothing can attack a grizzly. So she faced the creature down, rearing up on her hind legs, all set to attack. And then a voice spoke inside her head. Rachel, Rachel, is that you? Rachel did not recognize Axe, uh, who came uh, out of the woods uh, approaching her. Rachel, she asked through voice thought, is that my name? And then the monster attacked her. And now we finally actually get to hear Axe uh, narrate. Yay! Chapter 15. Till we get Axe's narration. Yeah! That's crazy. I know. I know. Been waiting for this. So it's a pretty good surprise, though, by the time we're through the book. Like, oh, yeah, okay. finally. Oh, we are going to hear the from kids. Him. Yeah. He's done book eight, right? So he's He'll the be book next. right after yeah. this, too. That'll be yeah. fun. And he also says in this part, I am not one of the Animorphs, but I fight alongside them against our common enemy, the Yerks. I know. He doesn't identify as an Animorph. I kind of don't like that. <laughs> and while I'm at, I am on Earth, I have taken Jake for my prince. Yes. So he's yes. like... Aww. <laughs> If only it wasn't some weird, creepy alien form. (laughs) Well, Axe also introduces himself and says he needs to avenge his brother's death by killing Visor 3 or be dishonored. Um, So he's in Nigo Montoya. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we love an an honor-based society. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nothing's ever gone bad in one of those. With that. Yeah. (laughs) Just his first full page is great it is marco is highly intelligent but he's also very afflicted by a condition that humans call sense of humor (laughs) (laughs) i know i like that i have noticed that marco's sense of humor sometimes makes him do strange things Uh, (laughs) yeah so like what we just saw uh But yeah, Ax, Aximile, Escaroth, Ishil. But I guess that doesn't fit in the chapter heading. <laughs> yeah, they just um, call it Ax. <laughs> so it's so Ax, 15 chapters later, we're getting another introduction yeah. page. Like, I can't tell you my last name, but this is Ax's. Like, my brother, Prince Elfangor. Um, but uh, Ax also talks about when the great sky beast appeared, I was powerless. There's a lot of in this book about Ax sort of just feeling powerless in the face of some enemies but also he notes like later the humans asked me for answers about the beast and he he's like they just assume i must know every terrible thing that lives in the vast galaxy and i'm like well it's nice to have a reference point yeah my cousin's from (laughs) neptune do you know him (laughs) (laughs) right like i mean all aliens know each other yeah but he did not know about this creature and it scared him i mean i would be scared shitless and so they're just so obviously we know that we as the readers you know because we've read this book know the name of the creature the valley but right now they're just calling it the beast and so it's coming it's coming again and axe is running faster than he was running before with all of his speed and he's not running towards his friends he's running um towards the fire because he doesn't want to take it towards his friends and the fire might hide him 
Um, and then he enters a clearing and he sees a pillar of flame. So obviously the cabin, the cabin, the shack has been lit on fire. We know this. And what he sees when he gets there is the grizzly bear, which is Rachel. And so, you know, he's like, Rachel, Rachel, is that you? So we, we, we get that part. And it's funny because it swings its head um, and glares at him. And if you do, if we do obviously know the other chapters, we, this part would be like, oh shit, is this like the wolf thing again? Where Tobias is like, Jake. And it's like, not a wolf, not Jake. Oh, yeah. But obviously, no, this is Rachel. Um, she responds, you know, is that my name? I'm um, so great. People have found Rachel. And so, again, they described the beast more. A hundred gnashing mouths descending on the bear. Um, the bear swung a massive paw. It was a blow that would have knocked my head from my shoulders, a blow that would have punched through steel. But, but, Rachel cries out in pain, and the paw was gone. Again, I think this is two books in a row. She's, like, lost an arm. <laughs> Yeah. As the bear. <laughs> maybe not like the best morph, but um, <laughs> maybe like high high recoil she's, damage. She's the kid that always says, oh, what does this do? And puts like, you know, her finger in the wall socket. Uh, always. <laughs> the garbage disposal. Okay. Yeah. I, I did do the wall socket one, though. I had I was playing oh. with a needle and I put it in there. Well, I didn't know anything, but it was better than we. I was at Bible summer camp and <laughs> we were sitting in class. And honestly, it was better than listening to whatever was going on. Gosh. So that power, was fun. I didn't know what happened, but I definitely power of learned. Christ compels you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was not a good Bible camp person. I was mainly there for like the free food and the gummy worms. And like I paid attention to where they put those gummy worms and I found them later and I took them back. <laughs> like, I I ain't memorizing shit verses. Like just give me the fucking worms. I'm here to survive. I'm like here for the free food. But <laughs> So the paw is gone. Um, so that's like, okay, fuck. This thing, it's a bloody stump as the book describes it. So Rachel Bell is in pain, um, but she was struck again. and But she's still standing up. And so she's trying to hit with her other paw. And then now her entire leg is gone. And now Axe is starting to see the human terror come through the bare face. Also, there's a lot of animal and alien noises in this book. Yeah. So. <laughs> A lot of roaring and roaring. Onomatopoeia, yeah. Axe is, again, seeing how useless he is in the face of this creature. His tail can't do anything. The bear is one of the mightiest morphs, and that's doomed. There's nothing else to do. You can't fight it but to run. But Axe is like, no, I'm going to follow this creature instead to see where where it'll... um, Where's it going to? So he's like, oh, I can follow it because I can fly because I have a bird morph. So he begins bird morphing. With that, it like exploded away from Rachel and then came right at Axe. So this is also then sort of giving us that, that key again, if we haven't already picked up on it, and the book spells it out for us later, about what attracts the beast the Valique. Um, it lifted from Rachel and I had a, and he Axe was able to see a flash of her body wrapped in living ropes. So the beast wasn't killing her as we were led to assume because it's like took off her fucking paw on her leg, but it was like wrapping her up and Axe said like a gift. But now, now they've dissolved around Rachel and are coming towards him and Axe has realized the purpose of the beast and then fear chilled him and he knew what its master's name was that this wasn't just some random beast attack. So we're back with Jake. I really liked the, uh, the like investigation Investigation part of this, these couple chapters where it's like, and then we piece together what happened using clues yes. at the crime scene. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we know they're not the smartest <laughs> kids. <so. laughs> hey, they do have Cassie and Marco, so they do they do have the smart ones. Well, actually, Tobias, everybody. Well, actually, Jake. no. Tobias <laughs> generally clues in on things, although I have been ragging on him because he hasn't put two and two together so far with uh, bald eagles and. Uh, 
crazy old ladies in the woods. But generally, he's a yeah, little Marco, bit more observant. Marco's got it. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, they could have definitely have benefited from like Dora. I'm like, where is this? <laughs> Good. <laughs> now we're back to Jake. So the stench of burning wood was everywhere, and not like you know in a nice fall winter night. Uh-huh. And they're they're in the wolf, they're in wolf morph. So we're back with them. Um, they're sniffing the ground, and Jake can tell humans, two different humans, and then something else like an alien smell, something he couldn't imagine. And then he looked at tracks, and he saw sharp hoof marks. So that's axe. It's, they even got like two humans wearing one wearing shoes one barefoot a bear axe blood fire i'm like damn those wolf's noses so they're they're hot on the trail and uh they're thinking the barefoot person had to be rachel of course she morphed and the bear because they're like it's rachel um and there's no grizzlies in this forest so it's they put two and know, two together together mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like who could hurt a grizzly so bad because of all the blood and it's like oh well i wonder if it was the monster think? that was just pursuing us and eating all the trees <laughs> right it took off a roof yeah he's like he says <laughs> I know the answer in the in the thing. I know, but like, just like, what could do this? I mean, why ask the question? Eight ice cream, eight trees. You don't think I was going to eat grizzly? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bear's not that yummy. They're like, okay, so they're again, they're piecing it together. They, you know, they've all tangled. They're, you know, the bear tracks are stopping by by a stream, um, maybe about a thousand yards from here. That's Tobias, and so, but after that, he doesn't see anything. So they know that. Rachel tussled with it, and she made it to a stream, but that's a- and and she was walking on her hind legs too. So yes. instead of the four bear, it's just two two bare feet hind legs only which is kind of funny like how uh, the mama bear and brave walks when she first turns in and she's <laughs> sort of just like well this one's a little bit more terrifying because rachel's walking around with bloody stumps where her four paws would be and <laughs> blood's dripping down and that's what they're smelling through the woods it's just it's just a little bit stumps. less cute of an image <laughs> And you're like, who was this book for? Yeah, Morgan. Yeah, right. (laughs) This is not the last time that Rachel, as a bear specifically, loses limbs. Whole whole ass limbs. (laughs) <laughs> just it's not it's not the more for body for limb preservation oh um, yeah you know how bears they can grow they they lose their arms and they grow them out. back yes <laughs> like starfish uh-huh. <laughs> uh, hey speaking of which is the starfish book where she loses a bear arm anyway we'll get there <laughs> oh my god oh my god <laughs> you guys are very good at predictions uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> But so uh, Marcos also noticed uh, that his boyfriend Axe is tracks and scent uh, stop right there. Um, so it's like he was lifted and carried away, which obviously ties to what Axe just saw last time. And so now they've also been in more for a while. So they're trying to, you know, be cognizant of this. And they're trying to be like, what do you do next? And they're like, we, what time we have to left to get to civilization, morph back. Jake's like, I have to check in with my folks. And Mark was like, we can't just stop looking, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Tobias only has like an hour of good light left. And then after that, they won't be able to really find Rachel or Axe. He's like... Uh, just Marco's just being more sensible. And now we've got chapter 17, which is Cassie, which obviously takes us away from this whole scene. So now Cassie is at the mall. Radio Shack, August Woman, which I was like, what the fuck is that? That's the first time they mentioned something that I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know um, Kitty Shoes either. Yeah, there was, there was a yeah. lot of, yeah, franchises. I... B. Dalton. We had a B. Dalton. Yeah, but I mean, but Radio Shack, Banana Public, Gap, and Godiva, at least. Yeah, so like, it's Mrs. like Fields. Radio Shack, August Woman, Godiva, The Gap, Mrs. Fields, Casual Corner. B. Dalton. And 
the smell of cinnamon buns, <laughs> of which cinnamon. If you all don't know, I fucking love cinnamon. <laughs> I love it. And if you, <laughs> we're also in like a Call of Cthulhu group. And <laughs> I dedicated whole time to make sure that we've got a cinnamon in one of our like uh, our, uh, campaign quiet backstory year. things. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I totally fucks with some cinnamon. It's fall now, and side note, I'm just gonna I'm gonna make some pumpkin cinnamon rolls. Mm. It's just gonna it's gonna happen. I just bought anyway. cinnamon roll dough here too from uh, the pre-made stuff you get from Trader Joe's. So uh, yeah, that's happening this week. Nice. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, <laughs> okay we are quite hungry today (laughs) i I know (laughs) so i need to get it together um okay um jake mark and tobias all go to the spot where the ice cream truck attack had taken place so this is obviously cassie narrating jake asked uh cassie to look in other places she might have gone and cassie's a little bit bothered by this because she's like it could be a little sexist of jake's part because you know he's like you know go to you know the mall and you know we're gonna go to the woods but well well we go do the dangerous thing you yeah. go and just check out the mall to see if she's there mm-hmm. and then she's like or maybe he was just trying to protect me and then she's like well either way it bothered me um i don't want special treatment because i was a girl and i'm like yeah cassie <laughs> and especially i don't know where your guys' relationship at because y'all don't really seem to explicitly say things you just give like casual like shoulder hugs yeah, and, 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 and whisper in each other's ears. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you be mad at him until he says that he's in love with you. <laughs> then she's like, it's because I told Jake about the stupid dream. And so he's just like trying to be extra nice too. But, you know, all that is really boring. So she's in the mall. <laughs> and then she's she thinks she sees a girl like Rachel. But then she calls out the, but then she notices someone else when she does that. Chapman. And of this, y'all know, this is the same Chapman that we were obsessed with in book two who's got a yerk in his head it's their assistant principal and um that's a high ranking yerk and so he's back baby mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we love recurring characters and so cassie's like okay so if the dust creature is linked to the yerks chapman's gotta know something right and with that cassie's like okay i have to basically spy on chapman again so and um, chapman goes into a bookstore and he admitted the history section and he's like what on earth did a controller want with history i was like i don't know maybe even nice to study your you know prey yeah <laughs> but, right i mean visor three finally he had a human morph like two books ago he was rather awkward about it when he finally was a human though. <laughs> yeah so cassie is like how am i gonna do this and she's like insect fly tiny so she goes um to the bathroom locks the door turns into the fly and they do another great description of this fly morph my hands began to split open two of my fingers grew out and became sharp claws two other fingers and thumbs blossomed open splitting into thousands of tiny sticky hairs you know but cassie's getting used to it um she even says that like they all think she's the best and like even maybe a little bit better than axe yeah that part was cool mm-hmm. also there are, i like how she was describing herself and she's like but i can't make a fly look okay there are no brad pitt <laughs> flies <laughs> <laughs> but they spend a they spend a lot of time on cassie's chapter about her morphing into the fly like a lot yeah they go into like, it yeah i yeah. feel like i was gonna say it almost seems like they're pulling back a little bit on 
the morph, like, you know, once they morph a cockroach or whatever, they're not going to really describe it in depth the next time. But then they do this. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, like, I don't need, I don't know. I was like, plot people, plot. Maybe it was because, like, all the other times that they morph in this book, they kind of have to morph quickly because, like, uh, you don't get time to, like, really dive into how a morph looks other than this point when the V, like, obviously doesn't go after Cat as she morphs fly but every other morph like the velik interrupts those morphs so maybe this mm. is like the only time like yeah let's just kind of like true. dive into it and you know chomp deep into the description here uh because this is like the one morph for this book where we can uh, get away without action happening right immediately i wonder for each book if the author had like a like a checklist like i gotta make sure i include x y and z each book <laughs> like here's the drawn out morph yeah. seems like it okay so we're at Axe's second chapter. Three <laughs> chapters later, the dust beast carried Axe up, and he could feel momentum also as we were faster and faster. So I was wondering what this thing's top speed is. A gap opened in the howling wall of dust that enveloped him, and then he saw the earth below, but not from the orbit. They were still in the atmosphere. And then he saw a ship um, that wasn't super large, but it was smaller. He takes a lot of time basically to describe. Uh, Visor 3's blade ship. I, again, with this description, I was like, it could have just said the blade ship, <laughs> but... They always describe it with, like, lots of gravitas. Just imagine the fanfare of Star Wars, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, it's very much the... A, a Star Destroyer. Exactly. Yeah. So, they get into the ship, and then suddenly, Axis falling, and he hits the hard surface, obviously metallic floor. He scrambles, he stands up, but he's surrounded by, like, ten hork bajir. But he is sort of like two or three he could handle, which is kind of badass. But then he's like 10. He's like, oh, they think I'm a badass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a little bit of a compliment. Yeah. Actually, he says this and then he says it again later, like a couple of paragraphs later. There must have been 10 of them. Two or three would have been plenty. And then later at, on the bottom of the page, two or three would have been more than enough to deal with me. Having yes. 10 there was a compliment. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> yep. So then Visor 3 starts mind speaking he well visitor three isn't visible at first visitor three mind speaks and then you know they have their whole interaction um visitor three is like we have our first captive and axis just hates visitor three because it's an andalite controlled by a yerk and they're just so ugh with each other blood <laughs> blood feud not only that but also he killed his brother yeah too so. that too that too <laughs> Don't forget the Inigo Montoya of it all. <laughs> mm -hmm. You killed my brother. Prepare to die. <laughs> and Axe is like, uh, the creature I knew I had to destroy. If I didn't, I would never have honor for being a true warrior. But Axe, despite his best efforts, he feels shame in this and he feels terror at Visor 3's presence. He could just feel evil radiating from him and power, like frightening power. And then uh, Visor 3 is like, you're not even a full-grown Andalite. <laughs> I mean, he's pointed this out before. I mean, when is he ever going to get over the fact that, yeah, one of them is, you know, this kid Andalite he keeps seeing? <laughs> well, I guess he only knows once and I was like yeah i guess maybe he assumed the other ones were adult yeah but he yeah. he's he said the same thing in like one or two of the previous books as well as like yeah you know, why does like the kid uh andalite only speak guys or yep or whatever. that is right you're right yeah. this is also where the reader learns the name of the creature velik v-e-l-e-e-k so Valik, Velik, Velik, <laughs> these names all the time. Uh, Velik. Velik. Then we learned that Visor 3 named it himself, and it's a wonder that the Yorks don't really, you know, it's not really like a well 
well-known universe creature because it's a rare life form right from the solar system from the planet Saturn. So that's it. So that's really cool. First off, this thing is from our own solar system, which is dope. And then that's also why, obviously, they don't know about it because it's like an undiscovered but now recently discovered alien yeah i like how it's almost plausible that this exists and that it's like a dust monster like we wouldn't be able to really detect that with the probes that we have at least i don't fucking think so i don't know anything but let's contact nasa and find out yeah you could you (laughs) could imagine this creature going unseen but it's also interesting i mean me and you were more more talking about this before was that, you know, it's cool that the dust monster came from a gaseous planet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's a really cool monster and, you know, how it exists and its premise. Uh, very, a very fun, creative uh, monster. I, I like that it uh, is featured so heavily in this book and I'm kind of sad that it doesn't come back, honestly. <laughs> so Axe and Visitor 3 continue to have their conversation. Axe is, you know, crying your filth, like, we will destroy you. <laughs> so nothing new. Uh, but then Axe does have a question. He says, how did you make a controller out of something made of dust? Where do you place your filth? the slug body and the visitor three is like <laughs> just just a matter of fact yep where do you place your filthy slug, slug body? body you know where everybody else does <laughs> and visitor three is like well the valique is not one of us it's not a controller it's not really a, a he there's no to some intelligence there it's maybe a beast more of instinct visitor three sort of describes it a little bit like it spreads the atmosphere's dust each particle senses life form energy and any life form so when one particle senses prey the millions of particles that make up the larger beast come together to attack the life form and chew it to shreds so the energy of each shredded bit is then absorbed by the particles themselves so we got some alien biology going on here and Visitor 3 laughed again, and he's like, we lost a lot of soldiers before we figured the creature out, um, <laughs> which is like, oh, great. Oh, yes. So was... many red shirts have died, <laughs> died. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to make this be like possible. <laughs> and then they finally figured out that they could program it basically to serve them. So it's basically like the classical conditioning like do this thing get this reward sense this thing you get this reward so they taught it to feed off of like the energy coming i think from like their ships like engines or thrusters yeah Mm visitor three basically clicker trained the village yep to sense the animorphs morphing and then bring them back to him to get a treat um which is kind of cool but sick but cool Yeah, and it, and it makes it seem like it is conditioning, but he also said, Axe says, only a Yurk would think it clever to force mutation on another life form. So I think he's actually, like, doing selective breeding instead. Well, he's he's making the Valik want to feed off of the engine power, and to be able to achieve that, he's having it sense only morphing energy to be able to come back and feed off the energy power uh, of the ship. I right? just think mutation was a weird word because i'd feel like it wasn't like biologically like i don't know changing anything it's just sort of conditioning it but conditioning yeah i just yeah mutation yeah. stuck out to me as weird choice it it, it um is described in the seropedia page as being mutated the mutated form was attracted to morphing energy dang it i could have sworn i saw a whole thing about that uh about how it was mutated but maybe i was wrong I was at the gym while I was reading this, so I was kind of distracted. <laughs> well, but yeah, okay. So it says it was mutated, like he says mutated, but I don't know if it's selective breeding or training. It's unclear. 
like gather the particles that are attracted to the morphing power and then take those and breed them or whatever and then make more that are attracted to the morphing power as opposed to attracted to anything else. I don't know. Anyway, that's what I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> right, literally right after that sentence though, there's another one that I really liked is it's like, uh, Visitor 3 is talking to Axel and is like, yes, yes, we lowly yurks know how superior you Andalites are, holier than thou, the meddling moralists of the galaxy, the glorious self-righteous Andalite princes saving the galaxy from the despised yurks. And again, I feel like this just like goes into the larger... Very thinly... Very, very thinly veiled, like, American criti- uh, interventionalism criticism. Yeah, well, it's just, like, I just, like, it, it definitely speaks, I think, to a more complicated, like, relationship between the Yerks and the Andalites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's not just, like, culturally, like, I don't know, it's just, there's, there's, hit, there's such, there's such a long deep history between them two and i really want more of the history to be explained i know seriously there is a lot of like history and culture we're like missing out on these two sides and i want to know there's some bad blood (laughs) they hate each other but they're also like know a lot about each other and it feels it feels like you know from two people that like know each other so well and they hate each other (laughs) this time it's personal yeah (laughs) yeah like it's obviously like it's not like they discovered each other and were it's it's like more alluding to maybe they evolved this hatred of each other over time like there's a there's a lot of uh, intertwining there yeah or had like a working relationship or like a diplomatic thing go wrong i don't know like something you know uh like maybe they always weren't so separate or enemy wise but either way so then visor three is like okay throw him in a cage make sure he doesn't escape if he does all of you are gonna die every single one of you <laughs> and there's like also release the uh, feed the the velik and then let it go again to bring some more and then that's it that's the end and uh uh, Axe is thrown into a cage. So Axe has been captured. We've learned a little bit more. And now the Animorphs have to save the day. And that seems like a great place to stop for this evening. This one's a long one. I'm this tired. This is a longer book. Yeah, I was <laughs> like... Go, gotta go on an ice cream run. <laughs> ice cream in and out and Cinnabon run. <laughs> oh, don't yeah. tease me. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, while you're waiting for our next episode, you can tweet at me... Your favorite store that used to be at the mall, but now has been <gasps> closed forever at yes. Morgan underscore Slay, or you can tweet at us at Middle Morph on Twitter. Uh, Jason, where can people find you? They can find me at Bottomus Prime, oh, at Bottomus underscore Prime on Twitter. But yes, I hope we get to see Cinnabons, Hot Topics, Pacific Suns, Annie Pretzels, uh, Sabaro. <laughs> <laughs> Abercrombie and Fitch. Baby. Oh, yeah, Hollister. I mean, fuck the owner of that place, but I mean, the, the pictures were nice. The clothes were overpriced, but <laughs> okay, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> and Kate, where can people find you? Um, well, you know, I'm not on social media, so if you want to communicate, maybe you can do like a cave painting and, you know, make a, a glorious uh, illustration or, a, you know, message and I will eventually find it. Um, or you can email us at middlemorph, sorry, middlemorph at gmail.com is our Yeah, email. and next week we're going to finish Megamorphs number one, The Andalite's Gift. Got the title right that time. <laughs> In the meantime, we are going to eat so many hot dogs on a stick. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, what is that? What is that store too with like the the red, the white, the yellow, the blue? 
Is it just hot dog on a stick? Corn dog on a stick? Yeah, that's hot dog on a stick. Usually next to an orange Julius. Oh my god, I also fucks with some orange Julius. <laughs> I just, oh my god, I have orange juice. I just need ice cream. I need. I can't handle myself tonight. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> We're gonna go get Jason uh, some food. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs>